0: Hi there, and welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. And on behalf of Pastor Leighton, his family, and all of us here at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Merry Christmas. We're just a couple of days away from celebrating this Advent, this coming of the Messiah, and the truths of the promise of this coming is what we're focused on here today. Christmas, Jesus, the Promised Savior. We're focused in on these promises today, and as we begin our time together, we do so taking a look at the promises surrounding the suffering of this Messiah. Because just as the promises of His coming are true and factual, so too were those promises surrounding the reason why He came. Here's Pastor Layton with more on study, verse by verse.
1: Now, the phrase, they have pierced my hands and my feet, refers to uh, crucifixion. Their uh, timbers were, were put vertical and, and a horizontal cross piece. Jesus was stretched out on them. Uh, seven, five to seven inch spikes were driven through his hands, his outstretched hands. And then a spike was driven through his feet. His feet were crossed and, and then there was a spike driven through his feet. And then as, as a prisoner would tire over the hours, his muscles just couldn't keep up the tension. His his uh, arms would be pulled out of their sockets uh, as he was hanging on the cross. So you could literally, instead of being one body, he was now multiple parts. I can count that bone. I can count that bone. And as the body is being stretched out, the pressure across the air cavity is being forced out. And so they're dying by slow asphyxiation. And so what a, a prisoner would do was would be to push up on his legs so that he could get air into his lungs. But when he did so, the pain would come from the the spike that was holding his feet together. It was an excruciating way to die. And sometimes it took days for prisoners to die. And so if, if, if an executioner got tired of waiting around, they would go over and they would break the legs of the prisoner so that they could hurry the death process. But we know from Psalms thirty-four, nineteen, 19, that the Savior's bones would not be broken. And this is what happened. The religious leaders got together and they said, you know what? This is a high holy day tomorrow. And we, we want to make sure that the crucifixions are all completed in a timely fashion. So we want the Roman soldiers to go and break the legs of the prisoners. And so the Roman guards, they went and they broke the, the legs of the prisoner, the, the first prisoner that was hanging beside Jesus. And They went and they broke the leg of the second prisoner that was hanging beside Jesus. But when they got to Jesus, they didn't break his legs because they found that he was already dead. And they confirmed that by thrusting a spear in his side and blood and water flowed out. And if you saw the passion and how it depicted the tortures that Jesus Christ went through, you can see why Jesus was almost dead by the time he got to Calvary's cross. Then in Isaiah 53, 9, we find that the Savior was to be buried with the rich. I ask you, was Jesus rich? No, he was was really homeless. And yet... This prophecy was fulfilled because of Joseph of Arimathea who the scriptures describe as a rich man who gave up his own tomb. And then in Psalm 16:9 we find that the savior would be resurrected. It reads, "Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices for my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy one see corruption." Now Sheol in the Old Testament was the place of departed spirits. And the ancient Jews believed that the corruption began on the fourth day of death. You remember when Jesus went to visit Lazarus. Lazarus was in the grave. Jesus said, roll away the stone. In other words, Jesus is announcing there's going to be a resurrection. And what is it said? No, you don't want to do that. He stinks. In other words, corruption has already set in. The ancient Jews believed that, that corruption was set in on the fourth day. But Jesus was not in the tomb four days because he was raised on the third day. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see corruption. Not only do we have the scriptures that tell us about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we have uh, the historical documents of the Roman Empire that verify the same. The official Roman history is recorded by Roman bureaucrat Josephus. He wrote, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him many Jews and also many Greeks. This man was the Christ. And when Pilate had condemned him to the cross upon his impeachment by the principal man among us, those who had loved him from the, from the first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive on the third day. The divine prophets, having spoken these and Thousands of other wonderful things about him. And even now, the race of Christians so named from him has not died out. These are the official historical records of the Roman government. If you'd like, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and open to Isaiah chapter 53 because there might be some among us who are saying, Pastor, now we've gone around the Old Testament and some of the New Testament and we've looked at snippets of uh, verses that describe Jesus, but is there an extended passage somewhere in the Old Testament that that describes Jesus fairly clearly and and maybe will explain why God designed history in this fashion? And there are many. We could take you to Psalms 22 that describes the crucifixion of Christ in vivid detail. But this morning, let's look at Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to look at the whole chapter. It says, Who has believed what they've heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him what's that talking about? What it, it's talking about, you know, when Jesus was here, he was fully man. He wasn't 10 feet tall. He didn't glow in the dark. There was nothing so exceptional about him that someone would say, you know, he's got to be God. He was fully man. Now, as he went about in his ministry and he was healing and, and doing these things, a group began to follow him. And, and so when Jesus decided to come home to his, his home, this group followed him. And the, when he got home, the people in his hometown said, what's this all about? Isn't this Jesus? Isn't he the son of Joseph and Mary the carpenter? Aren't those his brothers? What's the big deal? Jesus had grown up amongst them, a man. What's the big deal? There was no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Sometimes that word transgressions is translated sin. Sometimes the word iniquity or iniquities is translated sin. He was wounded for our sin. He was crushed for our sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. What's the other way? God's way. It's our way or God's way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Pilate really wanted to release Jesus. He was doing everything he could. In fact, he was just about to release Jesus, and the Jewish leader says, if you do that, you're no friend of Caesar. And if you're not a friend of Caesar, what are you of Caesar? You're an enemy. And so he had the political pressure put on him. When Jesus came before Pilate, Pilate asked him a question, and he marveled that Jesus said nothing, because the whole point that Pilate was trying to accomplish was, give me something to defend you. And Jesus refused to defend himself. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth, the Lamb of God. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. doesn't say it was the will of the Roman Empire. It doesn't say it was the will of the Jewish religious leaders. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the plan of God to crush him. He is come to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. Jesus was the sin offering for us. And as for offspring, are we not children of God? Now, we're not children of God like Jesus is a child of God. Jesus is the only begotten child of God. But we are children of God by adoption. For he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Because he went to Calvary's cross to pay the wages of our sin. And he shall bear their iniquities, their sins. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. And yet he bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. The writer of Romans 8:33 says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. You see, as we study the Old Testament prophecies and how incredibly accurate they describe Jesus Christ, you can see why it takes more faith to believe that Jesus is not God's promised Savior than it takes to believe that He is God's promised Savior,
0: God with us. Oh, what an amazing promise. We celebrate this weekend. Thank you for joining us here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layton Sheeley. You can find out more about us online at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We trust you'll be found in the Lord's house this Lord's Day. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week as we pick up back in Genesis. Moving ourselves towards the end of 2022 and looking forward to 2023. Until Monday, God bless.